Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sim Sundays. I believe this is our 30th, 30th episode. So it's a big one, big milestone. And we are joined this week uh, by G2 Esports, Robbie Stapleford, silver medal winner of the SRO Sprint Championship, two-time Simsport champion, and E-Team Brit champion, season three. Welcome, Robbie. Hello, guys. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy you're here too, and you're only just about here, right? We've had some, we've had some difficulties. We've had some, some technical stresses before the show, but you've made it. Yeah, just a bit. I've never actually run Zoom off this PC, so, and then it decided to crash. That's just great. Yeah, I, 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 not a lot of people are going to be able to relate to you not having run Zoom before. That's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm really enjoying the fact that you're um, that you're repping the the G2 esports merch as well. Yeah, I got to rep the merch, haven't I? Yeah, I can't just good. wear some random T-shirt. Oh, I hope that wasn't a dig at me and my my grey jumper. Maybe no. I need to start. I need to start getting a bit more grid finder branded for the show. Well, thank you very much for for coming. Um, Chris is not with us today. Uh, sadly, he's had some last minute unexpected bits pop up. Um, so it's just you and I. But there is plenty to talk about. Not least of all, uh, your monopoly strategy that we've been discussing uh, before the show. Do you want to tell everyone uh, what you've had to abandon, to sacrifice to get here today? I won't, I won't say it was a strategy, but I was in a good old family game of Monopoly. Um, brother came brother came around and there was five of us. So good Sunday, ready for Dad's birthday on Tuesday, just a game of Monopoly, which I suddenly had to sacrifice to come and do this, but yeah, it's not it about sound, sacrifice. No, it sounds, like a, it sounds like a pretty wholesome pretty wholesome activity but i was pretty impressed by the uh the properties you had so early on in the game you went for the reds which are my favorite we're talking fleet street we're talking trafalgar square oh, what's the other one? Oh no uh, this is gonna really bug bond me street is it no no that's no, a green that's a green oh my god you know what i might have to search it up you know <laughs> that's gonna really <laughs> really really bug me um so other than monopoly did you manage to catch any of the virtual le mans this weekend um, I didn't manage to watch it. I did a couple hours, but not really. I didn't really pay attention. I was too busy doing a wholesome with family before they go away for a birthday. Nice. What did you uh, What did you think of the uh, the controversy? What from Verstappen or just in general? <laughs> well, let's start with in general, and then we'll move on to Verstappen. Uh, I just, I'm not really a fan of R Factor, but I guess it it's been happening everywhere, really, hasn't it? And I just it's not really a good thing for sim racing. It's just no. all, every every big event's just been going down recently, and I just don't think it's a good look. But hopefully, they all get it sorted. For those who don't know, it was the uh, virtual Le Mans um, today, and you had the likes of Max Verstappen racing. You basically, you had all the big players in sim racing race. So this is kind of historically, it's been the premier event of the sim racing calendar. Um, and there were two two red flags, a couple of instances of people not being able to rejoin and then rejoining, but then not getting their laps back. Um, some server lag, so the the, the famous one being, uh, well, I say famous, it will soon become infamous um, incident of uh, Max Verstappen essentially losing connection very suddenly uh, mid corner and causing him to causing him to spin uh, and do some serious damage to the car. But he wasn't quiet about it, was he? No. Then again, he's had some he's had some bad luck all season. To be fair, and when you're a two-time F1 world champion, I think it's quite like, oh, I should be winning this, but he doesn't win it. So I can see where it's coming from. I think I'd be pretty pretty annoyed if I was in that position. Well, he made some good points in. Um, I'm not going to call it a rant because because it, it is justified. So perhaps using the word rant kind of um, trivializes it a little bit. But he was making some points about the amount of practice the amount of time the amount of like emotional energy even that goes into these events where people put in hundreds and hundreds of hours you know months and months of practice strategy meetings you know people take this seriously um, not to mention the entrance fee being three thousand euros to get in if you then get knocked out in the first 10 minutes by a server issue or you know you or perhaps even worse you kind of get most of the way through and then you experience issues it's going to be frustrating yeah, it's not it's not great. I remember we had one in um, the SRO Spa 24 hour, I think, and it was like four hours in or something, and then the server just goes, and you're like, great, you've done all of that practice like a month or two before, 
and then it just goes and then you've got to do the race like four months later and you just think it's just so frustrating because you just have to keep on doing practicing for the same thing you've already done and you put all that practicing for nothing really yeah yeah it must be it must be incredibly um it must make you quite angry you know because the um the, the the events themselves they put this on they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart they're doing it to to kind of build up their own uh, reputation to kind of build a uh, bespoke brand within within sim racing so they've you know they've got a, they've got a um a kind of a vested interest in this themselves so when they invite you along and they 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 kind of claim that this event is going to be this big there's going to be this prize money there's going to be all these people watching and then they don't quite deliver yeah. you must you must feel a little angry when you when you're racing how does it, how does it feel as a driver when that sort of thing happens and all of a sudden you just see uh, i always think whenever i hear about uh, disconnections i always think about um I always think about Assetto Corsa. And if you lose connection in a public lobby in Assetto Corsa, the cars just like fly off into the distance. But like they yeah, literally yeah, yeah. fly out into the sky. And it's just the most, it, it, it almost kind of, uh, it's almost like a silver lining because it is quite comic. It's quite comic just watching the cars go off. You're like, well, this is ridiculous. But how does it feel for you if you're, if you're in a big event you've been practicing for and you get a disconnection? From a driver's side, I think from the, dis from the server going down Spa, you, if you're doing like well, like I think we were running like P4 or something from like a bad quality, and you just like you've got that far, and then you have to it, the server ends, and then you're just like, great, I've got to do it again, and it, it's just a disappointment behind that, thinking that you've got you've done so well. They were even saying they might have done half points, which obviously they didn't they didn't do because they just rescheduled the whole thing, and then it's like knowing if we got half points, we would have been leading the championship, and it's just like. So many factors what then just lead to disappointment, really. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose even if you're not the one in the car, because presumably these team events, there's going to be people who are just sat waiting for their, for their stint. Yeah. They don't, they don't even get a drive. Yeah, like we had one driver always like doing all week, making his sleep schedule for nighttime. And it's just <laughs> like the, the race ends. He ain't even done a single lap, but he's like, so I've just done all this. And he screwed off his sleep schedule. And now he has to try and get his sleep schedule <laughs> back for a race he didn't even do. <laughs> yeah, that must be incredibly frustrating. And I suppose the other thing, to go back to Max Verstappen, um, I watched the videos of, of, of his um, his feedback, should we call it, to RFAX 2 and, and Motorsport Games. And he, he wasn't shouting. He didn't seem angry. Um, but I expect if you are Max Verstappen, you're used to working in an incredibly professional Technical, technologically like acute environment where everything just works exactly as yeah. it should like very there's very uh, very few times where you know the the performance is affected by like some kind of like system or some you know servers or whatever it is so he must be quite frustrated to come into this sim racing environment and um and experience something which would probably appear to him and is arguably quite amateurish I guess you could say it's like an engine blowing for him or at the start of this last year's season where he just kept on having problems. It's like that. But I guess he's probably, I don't know, where, I'd say you'd have more watching him in real life. So I don't see why he would get so frustrated in some reason as he hasn't got many people watching him. But I guess he still puts the effort in. And if he's putting more time into sim racing to try and be the top, because top sim racers are quick. So I bet he has to try and put in more time than he does in real life. When you put in that much time, it's just it's draining as well. Yeah, you get no yeah. break. I mean, you don't. I don't. I don't think you become Max Verstappen, top of your game, like no. arguably one of the best Formula One drivers, one of the best. I'm not gonna say the best, one of the best Formula One drivers ever, without being incredibly competitive at everything. You, I, I bet the guy is competitive when he makes himself a sandwich. So you can see, like, <laughs> you know, when he's doing a sim racing uh, race like Le Mans, it doesn't matter that it's not F1. He's still going to be competitive. You can imagine him having races with his dad, can you? He can make the quickest ham sandwich <laughs> or something. <laughs> I, I mean, I bet I, when, you, when you speak to a lot of, like, very successful, very competitive people, or you spend time with them, you do notice that that competitiveness kind of kind of uh, leaks out into other areas of their life. It's not just the bit that if, they're known for, right? If you're competitive in one thing, you're pretty much competitive in everything, it doesn't matter how good, how good you are in it. It's, so just, you, it's just how you act. Yeah, I completely agree. So 
let's move on to you then. Have you always been competitive? Well, I started I started in karting. So it was, I would say, like, first couple of years, it wasn't really, like, competitive as such. But then eventually you get into the place where you think, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. You're spending, obviously, quite a lot of money because it's karting. Yeah. And you just you just want to perform, and then eventually it just gets stressful because you're not then you're not performing, and you just get really competitive, and then you just get you get disappointed when you're not being at the front, even though you think you should be. How do you deal with that? Uh, I, f- I think I I just deal dealt with it. Obviously, my dad helped me through most of it. I think if I didn't really have him, I don't don't know how I would have dealt with it to be honest, because yeah. it's just. You, you you know you have the speed or the talent, but if you don't have the money to match any of the ones at the top and you can't time where sim racing is completely different, you have all day. You don't have to drive to a kart track and be like, do laps. You only get a certain amount of time as well. Where this, it's just unlimited. Yeah. So tell us about your karting then. So how, how what, what age did you start at? I first got a kart at eight. And then I, so I started in Honda Cadet. And then eventually made my way, did a couple of years in Honda, made my way to IAMI, felt a change. So I did both for a, like half a year. And then I just wanted to move out of cadets as soon as possible because it was just becoming money, money, money. Right. So I jumped into the bigger carts. Obviously, it's just slows better. You're going quicker, aren't you? And you're just like, great, more adrenaline. So I made it into Mini X30, which was a new new series, to be honest, at that time. And then just tried to travel the world pretty much. I did think I did the biggest. I did the Le Mans, Carson Le Mans. Oh, nice. The I Amy World Finals. Uh, it was a good experience. It was just a long, stressful week, I think. Right. Because you got like, you you spend like people even spend like two weeks there practicing and there's like three and then you just go through like eight heats and then do like three finals and then if you don't you don't make it for the final and you just get you get obviously disappointed because you don't make it you spent all the week there you found every second like early starts as well like it started at like six seven in the morning and you just think what is this yeah that that is intense i uh i've listened to a lot of formula one podcasts and uh, a lot of them of course started in karting yeah and they they talk about their karting days and you know when they first started when they were you know seven eight nine ten years old however, however even younger in some cases and i always get the impression that it's incredibly intense but equally they look back on it as the best time that they've ever had racing they always they always say that it's the purest racing i'm not entirely sure what they mean by the 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 purest racing i think what they're getting at is that it you know it's just about the racing but actually the clear there's quite a lot to do with you know the politics to get into the series and then there's there's budgets to be considered and you know you've got the kids who have got a new gearbox for every heat and four new tires and then you've got the kids who are you know using secondhand tires the, the whole way through the the weekend so um yeah it does it does sound like it's uh it's it's kind of where a lot of the drivers kind of cut their teeth and it's it's whatever however they do through their karting essentially kind of lays the the groundwork for the rest of their career has that has it done, has that had the same effect on your sim racing career do you think um i would i would say so to be honest but i think the trouble the trouble is with karting it's less stressful than everything else because you have like the times where you're staying over in motorhomes you'll become you'll go from being rivals to pretty much like best friends and you're all like mm. staying out till like dark time playing like manhunt or something running around the paddock thinking <laughs> you're just just this kid what don't even do karting you're an athlete yeah. it's just like i guess once you start going up to the levels it eventually becomes more serious you got more people watching you so what's the what was the the height of your progression in kart in fact you, do you still kart now no, I stopped um, when COVID came. It was just, it was coming too expensive. And then obviously I got the hang of sim racing and just decided that I didn't really want to do it anymore and I'll just focus on this. So is that you, was that your um, your first kind of foray into sim racing? Was was it because of COVID or had you started because of uh, karting beforehand? I would, say, I, would, I would say because of COVID because obviously we had nothing to do. You couldn't go to kart tracks. And then a couple of my teammates did, played iRacing. Mm. So I jumped onto a couple of iRacing with them. Did, and then eventually got like 
oh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite good at this. And then found some leagues. I, I, there was one place where I used to do simulator work, what did a league in F3s and iRacing. So I got into that, raced like Gordie Mush and everything, and realised that I could, I could make this. And then I started finding other stuff like um, VRRC. Yep. Did all that, and then eventually found my way to ACC, got into esports. And then, to be honest, as soon as I got into ACC, it just took off, and I've never looked back. So tell us how you got into to, to G2. Was G2 the first team that you raced with, or the first kind of official team, if you like, that you raced with? Or Tell us about the journey to get where you are now. So I um, qualified for... The British GT series, esports series, what they did in 2021, I think it was. Qualified for Brands Hatch, and then I um, spoke to Mike Yao at Simply Race, and he got me into Sancho Simsport in Rocket. So I did one of the Sim Good races with a guy over there. And then I was allowed in the team, and then just started doing some World Cup races. And then towards the end of 2021, I jumped into SRO Sprint, got qualified for that, ran Rocket. And then I did, James Baldwin was also racing for Rocket at that point. Yeah. And um, Nathan Targ, who runs G2 now, obviously was in Veloce. And obviously, so he would have been, he was watching. And then um, at the end of 2021, obviously he took over G2. And he, he approached me and then now we're here, to be honest. It's kind of a small world, isn't it? The way this yeah. happens. It, there seems to be quite a, a tight network. I mean, we've, we've had Nathan on the show. Uh, we've got James Baldwin um, on the show. I think, I think it's next week, actually. Um, you know, Mike Yao, who you referred to from Simply Race, is, is literally in our ears right now broadcasting this show. It's, it does seem to be quite a, a close-knit uh, community um, in sim racing esports. How have you found it? Oh, it's, I would say it's like going back to old days in karting where you're in the paddock running around with other other drivers. I would say it's like that, but I guess it just makes it better if you know people and eventually you make friendships online which you didn't really think you'll make and then you meet them in person and you're like, these friendships will last. And How I often... think... Sorry, go on. I think it's just, it's finding those friendships which you didn't think you would ever make and I think that's just the joyable thing about it. Nice, yeah. That is so true, isn't it? It's, it's, it's probably a part of um, esports and, and gaming even that gets overlooked is the relationships that you can make online, like the friends that you can have that you, you can have friends for years and years and years and, and yeah. not meet them. And, and I think times are changing. Like I remember like growing up, this, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not that old, right? But I can, re I can really remember when the internet was starting to become like a thing. I remember when we got our first computer at home that had the internet and I, if I'd gone down to the, the kitchen and said oh mum I've just been chatting to somebody on the internet and she said who I said, oh I don't know I just met them on the internet she'd freak out like you know, <laughs> yeah. flip her she'd, oh my god what the hell is going on laptop would be gone you'd be working out who it was the police would be involved it would be like a whole thing whereas nowadays that's become totally just, totally normalised like yeah, things it's like just the norm Discord now. and gaming and you know, um, Fortnite and even Call of Duty now doing proximity chat, making, you know, proximity chat in games like uh, Call of Duty at the moment are kind of making this interaction with people that you've never met before mandatory and almost un unavoidable. Right? Because you go into these games, you get killed or you get near somebody and you start chatting and then you see all these TikTok clips of teams that are getting near to each other, giving each other banter. It's It's become such a, it's become such a, like, integral part of gaming and i think it's it's responsible for quite a lot in the wider world i think people are far more used to talking to each other through screens and microphones and zoom sessions google meets heaven forbid yeah. microsoft bloody teams i hate that thing um that, that <laughs> you, you can now like that even like companies and organizations people are far more used to using all of these technologies in a far more natural way i've definitely found myself when i first started using zoom during covid I spoke in a very like stunted way as if it was like, you know, on some kind of VHF radio, like a walkie talkie, like, you know, very, whereas now <laughs> you, you talk to people as if they are sat across right next the to table you. in the pub, right? Yeah. yeah. But I guess, I guess that's the good thing about LAN events. You get to meet the people which you probably haven't met for 
a couple years and you've just yeah you haven't even seen them yeah i guess that's the good thing about them especially now they're becoming more more and more popular that now obviously corona is obviously going so which land events have you been to um first one i went to oh uh, what'd you call sim expo land event yeah yeah were you there this year yeah yeah yeah. sim expo obviously we didn't race because we couldn't get any equipment but that that was the first real time that Besides my teammates, we actually got to see people. Obviously, I met up with Jardy and Nils and Ajax, which was good meeting them. And you've only spoke to them online, and you just think, and then once you meet them, you're like, you're exactly what I expected, and I've been speaking to overline online. Yeah, I've also found that with um, with streamers in particular, because I think the nature of the way they stream, like Jardy, like uh, he, it's how do you describe it? He he streams. Like he lives with his heart on his stream, like rather than on his sleeve, right? He, you know, what you see is what you get. He's there is yeah. no like filter. There's no pretense. Well, that's at least how it seems, anyway. Uh, so you know, I, we met him um, in person at Sim Racing Expo as well, and he it was it was like this seamless thing. It wasn't. It, it didn't feel like oh, okay. I've 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 seen his character online. I wonder what he's like in real life. It's like okay, well, his character is is just totally totally him. And it's the same with like. You know, gamer muscle. Well, actually, no. Tell a lie. Gamer muscle is is far weirder in in real in in real life than he is in his stream. The guy, I uh, my one of my favorite parts of the Sim Racing Expo this year was watching Gamer Muscle DJ using a Fanatec wheel. Uh, so yeah. he'd he'd hooked up his DJing software <laughs> to the the Fanatec wheelbase and was using it to to DJ, which was which was very very entertaining. I'd love to know how Jardio stays so happy all the time. Yeah, yeah, that guy is, uh, it's nuts. He's, um, he's an inspiration to us all. So, Definitely. G2 Esports, obviously big name, uh, big name in esports, big name in sim racing. What's it like being on the, the inside of an esports organization as, as big as G2? Tell us a bit, what, what have you seen of G2? Oh, I think it's, it's amazing. You're around, you're around people who don't really know what game you're playing. Because obviously they're not really used to it. The most of them are all used to shooting games or League of Legends is obviously the most popular one in G2. And then we've recently went out to Berlin to shoot the music video they've just dropped. And you get to see all the people from the range of games. And you're just, it's it's so good being in an environment. But obviously no one really knows what you're, you do. So it's quite, they're quite clueless. And then you introduce yourself and they're like, oh. I had a go online. It's quite, it's quite good, isn't it? And I was like, yeah. So we had some, we had someone like the Rainbow Six coaches on the Sims. What we were saying, oh, that's quite good, and like saying how much they enjoyed it. It's just something different. What they're not, because everyone can play mouse and keyboard, can't they? Once you're pro at it, it doesn't matter what game you play. And this is a different level, to be honest. You're not using just a mouse and a keyboard. It's something different. No, although some people famously have used a mouse and a keyboard to sim race. I've got absolutely no idea how to do I don't know. I don't think I would want to try that. I think it would be pretty difficult. Yeah, it would be, be completely nuts. Like how, like <laughs> the sim racing is famously like nuanced. It's, it's, it's the complete opposite of binary in that it's, you know, you hit left on the, on the, the, yeah. the keypad. Like <laughs> race, it's not left or straight. Like there's so much more to no, it. It's left, like, it's like in between. Or... It's like 45 degrees. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. I don't. I honestly have no idea how people uh, have done that. But um, yeah, kudos to them. So the the thing that fascinates me about G two is that it seems to be kind of. I, I think I think organizations organizations like G two are going to be really positive for sim racing in that they will have the ability to bring sim racing into the kind of the esports mainstream. If you like, with that, you know, having the event you were saying then that you were shooting a, a music video and, and you were you were brought in uh, to to join in with the uh, the traditional esports teams, so they're obviously making some kind of effort to kind of slowly bring in the sim sim racing element into the into the mainstream. Like from your point of view, like what what do you think these organisations could be doing to be promoting sim racing more as an esport? Well, it's, it's only just growing, isn't it? So I think more the more it grows and if you start getting the likes of ESL or anything, what run the big big events for other esports, it'll eventually more... Yeah, I think if you get more and more teams what have got the money and the budget to make, it, make more drivers professional, because at the minute there isn't really many teams with budget 
to pay drivers to sit on rigs for hours and then to practice and to do these top level events. So mm. I think, to be honest, they, they they promote it as it's upcoming, and they know it's going to eventually five ten years it's going to be there and it will be big. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's kind of the consensus that I got from a lot of people I was speaking to at, um, at Sim Racing Expo in Nuremberg this year was. It feels like we are at the start of something. And yeah. people who have been sim racing for, like, you know, 10 years will say, well, how could it be the start of something? Because, you know, it's been going around for 10 years. It's like, yeah, but 10 years ago, gaming was a fraction of what it is now, you know, and, mm. and sim racing is a little bit behind that. So, like, that we are we are kind of on the, the ground floor, I think. Um, and it's interesting as well because there seems to be two main two main approaches for the for growing sim racing one is the overlap with motorsport and then the other is the overlap with esports generally so you've got the motorsports crowd trying to kind of include sim racing uh, we spoke to thomas yakamai um, ceo of uh, fanatec in november about this um, and he was saying that his dream what he pitches to um a lot of the uh, the the GT events is that he wants every single racing event to have a sim racing um, kind of side event that the drivers can get points for. So if you do you know, 24 hours of Spa, you would yeah. also go and do a sprint race in sim racing, but you'd get actual points for it. And he didn't tell us too much, but he said that you know there's there's definitely steps towards that that sort of um, format, which would be incredibly interesting. Imagine if Formula One did that, right? Imagine if Formula yeah. One had a weekend, I don't know, in Austria, and rather than doing the the sprint race that they've been putting in, they did a sim race and they got they got points for it. That would be that would be nuts. Well, I guess it's a bit like what SRR have started, haven't they? They've started doing the, the endurance races. They've started doing the little hour sprint race where one of the drivers can <laughs> drive on the ACC. Yeah. So I think eventually it will just be like those teams will be looking for a sim driver to do that event to gain them more points because I think Baldwin I think Baldwin kind of showed it at Spa that he's he's on another level even though he could drive the real thing but on the simulator he's just on a different level. So I think yeah. event eventually the manufacturers obviously they're all coming in Porsche doing their own series for sim race and obviously BMW obviously did one Lambo is obviously in it so eventually they're all just going to come take drivers what win those series or in those series what didn't impress them and just stick them in the cars whether or not and then use them for the sim event because they'll yeah. just get more points because they know that it will it will put the pressure off the ones what actually want to do the real life driving and then they'll have a pro sim racer to gain them more points in a different event yeah that's interesting actually because a lot of people i think have assumed that the idea is that you know, you're assessing the drivers, the real world drivers on their ability to drive both sim and real mm. world. But actually what you're, what you're saying there actually makes a lot more sense, which is like, why don't you just have, or just have a sim racer whose job it is to sim race rather than, than real world race, but you just make them part of the team so that their success is the, is the team's success. I mean, it's for, for, I mean, so for, for motorsport, it's the perfect stepping stone into motorsport. So there's, there's so many examples now of people who started with sim racing, started to spend hundreds, thousands, you know, sometimes tens of thousands of pounds on a simulator and then made the, the, the jump across to, um, to motorsport. So you can see from their perspective the appeal of publicizing and making more accessible sim racing in order to kind of funnel more people into their into their series and have more of an interest. Like, I always think back to um, me as a younger Formula One fan. I used to watch it and I struggled. I really struggled with Formula One because you look at the cars going round and round and round. And when you watch the, the race on TV cameras and you only see little clips of the, of the track, it just looks, you know, if you don't understand what the track is, you don't understand the nature of the corners, it can get a little bit dull because you just yeah. thought, well, they're just, they're just in a different order. And, oh, now they're in a different order. Oh, now they're in a different order. Great. Whereas what, when you play the game, you start to learn the characters of the corners. So when you're watching, you have a bit more context with which to enjoy it. So I feel like the more people who race online, and, and I think there's an interesting distinction between sim racing and just online racing generally. Like you, can, you can race with a controller, I think, and learn just as much about a series and therefore enjoy it more than you can if you race with a, a wheel and pedals. 
Yeah, I suppose it's the it's the immersive aspect, isn't it? Where you actually think if you've got a wheel and pedals, you're actually driving the car. Where I guess if you're just using a controller, you're not really. It's like using a mouse and keyboard, isn't it? You're either turning left or right or going straight. Yeah, so I guess yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the immersive bit of like actually thinking, oh, I can press the pedal this much to do this quick or... Yeah, and I suppose the other thing is it's it, it therefore makes it more kind of like one for one. So somebody yeah. who spends hundreds of hours with a wheel is more likely to think, oh, you know what? I reckon I'd be pretty good at this if it was yeah. a real car. Whereas if you're on a controller, you wouldn't necessarily think, oh, I reckon I'd be pretty good at this if it's a real car because it's not the same thing. It's like somebody sit, sitting playing FIFA on a controller and be like, you know what? I reckon I could last 90 minutes against Mad City. Easy, easy peasy. Yeah, it's, like, it's, the same, it's the same aspects to real life, isn't it? So I think if... Most can do it if you're good in this, and obviously not all can do it, but if you're good in this sim, I, with the practice in a real thing, obviously the only thing you don't have is G-forces, but eventually you get used to it. Obviously I've been there, I've been in cars, I know what they're like, and I think if you, it's, the, it's the same driving style. You don't drive any differently. You still turn a wheel, press pedals. Mm, yeah, yeah. Talking to practice then, tell us about G2 Esports and how they... Uh, how they run your your schedule. So first of all, are you, you full time training racing sim racing at the moment? Pretty much, we're on with an engineer, ready for when we've got a schedule of which race. Obviously, there's not much at the minute, because obviously it being early series and obviously new games and mm. new championships coming out. So at the the closest one we've got is at the end of the month. Obviously now we're obviously not with BMW. We obviously now need to practice cars because we're not just set to one car. So we have a schedule with our engineer and we go on at times what we're all free. Make sure and then go through data. And to be honest, you just keep on doing that until you find raw pace out of the quality set and then eventually you move over to the race sets and just make sure it's all right for everyone. You try some race stints to te test the tires and to be honest, as soon as you've got the hang of it and know exactly what you're doing, as soon as you get into that race, you're you're done. Right. So, so are you suggesting that it's actually quite quick then to get up to pace? It's, you know, it's not a case of, um, you know, gamers often use the term grinding. You know, you've got to just put hours and hours and hours in practicing, practicing, practicing to get the, you know, the last, eke the last bits of performance out. Is it actually think, a bit quicker than that for you? It depends. Obviously, last year we only drove one car because obviously it was with BMW. So the tracks we just did over and over again, we already had setups ready. We already had data. We already knew how how to go around those tracks. So I guess if you if you're going through cars, unless you're used to the car and the track combo and already have setups, you don't have to go through the time. Obviously, making setups, making those fine changes, trying to find every bit when you can already have you're already a step ahead because you already have that thing. So you don't need to find that step. You can find a bigger step after that. I mean, obviously, setups change though, right? In sim racing, unlike motorsport. The where you know in real world motorsport, the physics is defined by physics, like with a capital P, like how <laughs> physics, what physics is, what you know, how it exists in the real world. Whereas in a game, you have a physics engine which can be tweaked. So you know, yeah, cars constantly cars, doing updates. Exactly right, and cars get BOP'd, and so there must, be, you know, you have to, you must, there must be a process of reviewing your setups if you've not done it for even three or four months, you know, changes to the game are going to affect it, right? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you look at what the release and the physics update to see what they've actually done. Sometimes they only change stuff on certain cars. Like I think the other month they did only did stuff on GT4s. Mm. So obviously you, ha you have to check exactly what they do and then obviously everything's going to change. It doesn't matter if you do it at the start of the year or the end of the year. But yeah. set of the overall... <laughs> Setup is pretty much the same. I think it doesn't really change. Only like fine bits, like maybe rear wheel rates or ride heights or something, really need to be changed. And do over, you, over. as um, as G two, do you have any kind of like special relationship with the um, with the uh, game studios? Do they do you get any kind? Do you get to give them any kind of like feedback that most people wouldn't, or do you get sessions about the physics engines that other people wouldn't, or you know, do, do you have any like additional relationship with the studios? 
No, unless there's like some special treatment what I don't know about, and <laughs> no, not really. Some secret council of sim races somewhere that you've not been invited into. Yeah, you probably should. You probably should have asked Nathan that one the other week. Unless he's got some secret contact with um, Kunas, what he ain't gave us yet. Then, because I would definitely be on the phone to him saying, "You need to make this car quicker." <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. I'm gonna we'll drag him back to the podcast and find out if we can uh, we can find out the, find the password to the the secret council of sim races. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. last week we had uh, rival, I suppose, Luke Bennett on the show. And uh, what we do is we ask the previous guest to ask the next guest a question. So he's, he's left you a question. I don't know if you managed to see it. I'm guessing from your reaction that... Uh, no, no, it's a no question. That's, that's... Well, you're looking incredibly nervous. <laughs> you, really, <laughs> you, you really shouldn't because this is, a, this is a, nice, it's a nice question. It's a good question, I thought. He asked, um, uh, you know, spoiler, we're going to ask you to leave one for James Baldwin. Um, but he asked you... Um, how easy you find it adapting between different sims. So if you race ACC one day, R-Factor the next, perhaps iRacing, either professionally or just casually, how hard do you find it to adapt between the sims? It depends what game. I think going from ACC to R-Factor is quite tricky for me, at least, because the physics of how the car drives, like R-Factor is all over the place and you can turn around over we did some practice um, in our factor around spa and going around over Rouge is just like well i won't do this in acc mm. and then going around poo on you're like you throw it in and all of a sudden it just snaps and it's just it it's how it reacts our factor doesn't really do it for me where i think going to like survive racing is quite easy from acc for me because it's you can you can have like you know where the car you can react to the car you have the feeling in the car, which some games don't have. So I think going from ACC, obviously my main sim, is quite tricky going to the likes of R-Factor and stuff like that. Mm, that's interesting. It's interesting that you said that the R-Factor physics don't do it for you because R-Factor is kind of almost universally accepted as the best physics engines out there. People say, and probably entirely unqualified to say so, would say it's the most realistic of the of the physics engines out there but it doesn't do it for you no i've I've, I've never really got on with it i've got on with ac i've got on with acc but our factor just i don't know it just feels weird i don't know why it just doesn't feel right i never have got it like even if even if i aimed like we we, we had a possibility of doing Le Mans with obviously bmw and the practice it was just like I was losing time and I just had no idea where. Like, I know Spa and obviously it's GT cars. But trying to get the time out of that, like, you've constantly got to be on something where ACC, you can coast and the car's okay. But our factors just blows my mind. It's just so strange. <laughs> yeah, that, that that is bizarre. It's weird, isn't it? And I think the problem is almost that, like, but, okay, perhaps not for you because you put in hundreds, thousands of hours. You're a professional esports sim racer. But for most people, they'd probably find it. They'd probably be comfortable saying that the, the, they feel similar, as in broadly, they're all fairly similar. So it's almost like that thing where it's like they're so close and yet just not quite identical. And so you can kind of you kind of get comfortable and then you get surprised and then you get thrown out because you're like, well, it feels broadly similar, so I can broadly do the same thing that I usually do, but then it reacts subtly differently. But that makes all the difference when you're, you know, doing 120 miles an hour around a corner. Yeah, it's, it's the reaction of it. I think you get so used to, like, ACC such a specific game compared to all others. It's obviously, it's made from real life and obviously real life drivers use ACC. I think it's just how, how everything reacts compared to our factor in general is just completely different. And obviously me coming from also real life, it's like, this just doesn't feel right at all. So you say you come from real life. We're talking karting now. So let's talk yeah, karting sims. Yeah. Let's talk karting sims. Are there any good ones? Uh, I, can't even, I, wouldn't, I can't even remember what one I used. I think it was something called like Kart Sim. I think it was called or Kart Sim. Kart Sim? Or there was Kart Craft. I think then Kart Sim did a load of uh, DLCs, right? 
or Cutsim did some did some some mods. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not totally sure. I've like completely forgot about all cart and sim days, to be honest. Okay, yeah, but it doesn't. It I would doesn't... say, I would say it was quite realistic, but you didn't really have the hardware to really match it. Right. Because obviously yeah. you sat, you're sat in a cart, and you can't really put like a brake pedal. Because obviously carts don't really have car brake pedals, do they? And most mm. most equipment's made for like doesn't brake pedal don't move. Yeah, that's a good point. You'd have to have a very like bespoke set of hardware to make that feel realistic yeah. or immersive. Well, there was at the Sim Racing Expo, I, I'm trying to remember the uh, stand. I think it was like the Virtual Racing Lounge, possibly. They were in the corner on the same size as Nintendo had their little like bullet thing where they were doing Mario Kart. Yeah. Uh, and they had a go-karting sim, as in like a you, it, it was a go-kart that had been converted for the sim but then they had like a simu cube wheel in it and then they you know the the, the seat was was right on the ground and the pedals were yeah. but then the pedals were like rock hard <laughs> and i remember thinking <laughs> this is not how karting uh, no. pedals feel because like okay yeah no. these are great pedals but i don't think i've ever been in a car and and felt any resistance at all on the pedal let alone no. it but feeling like a formula one car a car's pretty much like having two brake pedal uh, two throttle pedals yeah, yes. that's part of the fun. I love it. I go, I yeah. go, I do the uh, a monthly karting championship up in Newcastle. First Sunday of every month. It's absolutely fantastic. It's so much fun. But like a lot of the time, like the throttle is so loose that if you if you nudge it with your foot, it will like yeah. it will spring forward before it will come back again. Like you know, that, but that's part of the fun. But then again, I've never been in a pro car, and I'm assuming but if you're in a car, there's anything other than a hire car, you don't get those quirks. Uh, the the great thing about karting is slamming the brake on, and you just lock up, and you're just like, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does make it that does make it uh, a bit more interesting, especially in the wet. <sighs> yeah, yeah, karting in karting in the wet. I'm not there. Especially yet. especially when you take all all eyes watching, and you just turn it into fun, and you can soon you could soon have a laugh of it, definitely. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So tell us about your uh, okay. I was, I was about to say upcoming schedule, and then I was in, in my mind. I was about to change the word from upcoming schedule to future, but then that would have said, "Tell us about your future," which feels a bit deep. But what, what I mean is, what's coming up for you and G two? What have you got coming up in the calendar? What races have you got? At the minute, we've got ACC Simgrid World Cup at the end of the month, and that's all that's planned, to be honest. Okay, so it's got a fairly light, a light calendar then. Yeah, there's. <laughs> No one's really released anything, but unless you're doing like the likes of LFM or something, and you're doing like every Wednesday Pro Series, at the minute there's nothing being really being released until SRO start theirs, hopefully in March time. Until then, we're not we're not really yeah. doing much. So you're in the you're in a little mini off season. Okay, well let's go broader then. What is what? Where do you see sim racing taking you? Is this kind of your as you see it? Do you think you're in this for the next ten years? Or are you taking it as it well, comes? I, I wouldn't want to say I'm not. Like, <laughs> the, the, there's a hope that this lasts long. Obviously, anything can happen, can't it? If some some day you 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 your rig could explode and that's all over. Or yeah, that'd be terrifying. You you do bad in one race because you haven't practiced enough, or the team just doesn't want you anymore. There's too many factors what could end a career. Mm. But to be honest, hopefully. As long as you perform, and as long as I perform, then hopefully it's lasting quite long. And this will be a future thing for quite a bit. And I haven't got to do no sort of like stacking shelves at Tesco's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure that's, I'm sure it's not one or the other. <laughs> I'd, I'm, I'm, I'd like to think it's not. It's either pro sim racer or you know other job nothing wrong with stacking shelves at, at, at tesco's of course because um, <laughs> it, it's it's yeah it, it's an interesting wasn't it because and we were saying earlier how like, sim racing is at the beginning of its journey so it's difficult yeah, it's only I suppose, gonna get higher. yeah and i suppose it but, it but it does mean that it's difficult for you to kind of like uh plan any kind of career it's not like you know a, an industry that's been around for 30 years you can look at somebody else's career and go, oh, okay, well, the, 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 the general route would be to do this. And then, that, well, I mean, take motorsport. The general route would be to go to uh, karting and then choose to do formula 
um, or maybe uh, you know club racing and then move up from there. Like, there's a path to follow. With sim racing, that doesn't exist so much because it's still an immature industry, but it's you know certainly it's certainly growing. And so the it, it feels like the tier of professional sim racing, if you like, is very horizontal in the sense that you're there already and you're, as I understand it, 16, 16 years old and you are you are there racing for G2 at the biggest events. So it's not like, okay, I'm going to play football, so I'm going to start at club level and I'm going to get scouted for like a, a national league side um, and then I'm going to go to trials to try and get into a division two team and then I'm going to work up to Premier League eventually, right? So there, there's no like progression. Like you're 16 and you're at the, you're the very top level of sim racing straight away. So it's, there isn't like a logical place to go next unless you wanted to race for a not saying there is a better team but a better team if there if there was one or you know you wanted to to move to a different team for whatever particular reason it must be difficult to plan There's, obviously being obviously coming from obviously doing real life wanting to become obviously doing motorsport all of life and then obviously you take the sim race and there's always an end goal to Kind of do what Baldwin did and end up in a car. That's always the end goal is to get into a real car. So I think obviously the more and more it grows, the more and more manufacturers get in, the more and more you get involved with actual real life series. Obviously SROs and they're just going to grow with their esports series. The more and more you grow with that, I think the end goal just increases to be in a real car. And I think that's, that's the only thing at this stage until mm. especially at my age it's the only thing until probably i get over like 24 and i still haven't made it is the goal to get into a real car it must be i wonder if uh it's frustrating for carters to watch someone like james baldwin i don't, I, I mean i don't know if james uh carted himself um but let's assume there are sim race. Well, we know that there are sim racers who haven't carted who have gone straight into to motorsport it must be strange if you spend you know seven, eight, nine years karting every weekend, huge expense to go and race either Formula cars, GT cars, whatever it is. And then you see people sim racing. Now, sim racing isn't cheap, but we're still talking like, you know, for a really, really, really high-end rig, like the highest you could possibly need from a performance perspective, I reckon, what, £4,000? Yeah, and that that sets you off for years, doesn't it? Where you could spend £4,000 in like a week in motorsport. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, and I always, I always think four thousand pounds. I always think uh, up to four thousand pounds. That's when you can get maximum performance gains. Anything after that, and it's very, very marginal. You're then talking like immersion because you're thinking about motion or huge triple screens and extra crazy graphics cards to run them and blah 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 blah. So it must be, um, it must be a bit strange for the kind of the the karting community to see sim racers who have spent a fraction of the budget on sim racing going into motorsport and, and taking quote unquote their places. Yeah, you get the trouble is with sim racing you get a watch more and I think you get into the teams like G two, Veloce, who have who have the communications and the contacts to get into real life. So it's like you're like sending a different way to go take a different route to get to the same place. But you're taking the cheaper and probably I wouldn't say easier route because I would say it's probably about the same to try and get to there but you have obviously more people watching obviously there's more access to sim racing than there is real life obviously mm. you only got to look at how verstappen's so close with redline like yeah. if he wanted to he probably could have got he probably could get someone out of redline into a car but obviously it yeah. just comes back to the manufacturer things don't it as as, as sim racing grows obviously more manufacturers will be there and if you part get into with a team what's partners with a manufacturer, you've pretty much taken the step which instead of paying a fortune, you took the step paying what you originally started with a sim in probably your living room. Yeah. Yeah. It's just 100%. an easier step. Yeah, totally. I remember we Which we is had more to... enjoyable as well, definitely. Well, yeah, I suppose because the other thing is like on, on your route to to going and racing uh let's say a GT car, you can race GT cars in sim racing up to that point so yeah. you can kind of learn the discipline a bit better whereas if you're karting yeah. you're karting you, you know and here's a question right what do you think would prepare you better for let's say a gt4 drive 
like a season racing GT4. What would prepare me better, karting or four, sim? Yeah, four or five years just karting or four or five years racing GT4 cars in the sim. I would say sim because you're driving the car. Obviously, you're not getting the G force, but no, you get that much G force in karting. Yeah, like I, I, I've cracked my ribs and everything. My neck used to kill. I used to hang out the cart like this. <laughs> um, but you're driving, you're driving the same car. You obviously, if you if you get enough immersion, you know in like size of the car and everything. Obviously, you don't get that in casting. You know how you get to learn all the skills to change gears, using clutches. Obviously, driving into pit lanes. So you you you're gaining the skills what you wouldn't gain in casting, like changing gears, because it's just single gear, isn't it? And all the brake. Obviously, there's not much skill in casting for brakes. Like, you have to softly come off the brake in cars. You can't lock up and use an ABS, using TC. You don't get any of this in casting. So I think. Just doing sim racing, obviously, as the, the real-life drivers have, sh have proven, to be honest. They're using simulators to practice for for upcoming events. I think that kind of proves it. It does beg the question, then, if karting as a route to motorsport has a shelf life. I don't, I don't think it does. I think as more, more and more sim racing obviously grows, it will overtake it. Mm. Especially games like ACC. Because the manufacturers are obviously involved, and obviously maybe you don't have the routes into like F3, F2, but unless you've got millions to spend, I think most people are trying to aim for Le Mans and everything now, aren't they? Instead of spending millions trying to get into F1, because only there's only 20 places in there, and you're fighting like what eight billion people in the world for 20 places. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, I suppose I suppose the missing piece from sim racing that you do get with karting is fitness. Has fitness featured at all in any kind of training regime with G2? Is it something that they take an interest in? We haven't done any fitness so far, but to be honest, I think unless you have that main goal of getting into a car, you know how, obviously you drive for hours and ends, obviously you can do it, but unless you have the main goal to get into a car, and I don't, the, the the fitness side of things isn't really an aspect. Yeah. What's your so what would your dream scenario be then, right? Let's say in let's say if we were mapping out the next ten years, and it sounds like driving a real car is the dream for you. So what steps do you think you'd have to take in terms of like sim racing into, you know, some kind of like grassroots racing into like a a paid drive? What would be the 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 perfect route for you? Um, hoping that G2 found a manufacturer and then they decide, well, oh, he's good, let's stick him in a real car. But that's like probably all the way up here. I mean, that would be that would be the that would be the simplest plan, right? Just G2 just have just put on a a program. But I suppose that's the um, I suppose people like Alpine would be quite good at that in terms of Alpine. Have, obviously, they've got their F1 um, esports team. Um, we spoke to Guillaume, who's head of esports over there, about the their kind of training regime, and it's intense. Like they they take fitness and they take kind of um, like mental agility and like cognitive function really seriously, and they test it. You know, they put um, they put these like neural tracker caps on their drivers while they're driving to test their reaction times and do scans, and you know they've got uh, partnerships with. Um, with uh, eyewear manufacturers that can stop like eye fatigue through hours and hours of training, looking at screens, etc. Like it's nuts. Like you can see that they are clearly developing a program where they can get sim racers to go from esports into potentially like the lower formulas, maybe maybe even all the way up to F1. I mean, they put Tom Brower um, is a F1 streamer, great, hilarious guy. They put him in an F1 car, so that's you know that they are trialing this route. Yeah, I I think the main the main thing is just getting the people there, and then obviously you have a more variety with sim racing. You've got more variety of people, haven't you? Like you got 
you got the older you got the older generation what will always be good or have more experience and then you got the younger generation which you could more like trial and error because mm. they haven't got much experience but they'll be the quicker ones to learn obviously if you've got you've got a more variety to to use yeah it's interesting isn't it? when you look at the different um disciplines of sim racing i always think that acc ac uh, R Factor 2 iRacing, the guys who drive all those seem to kind of be able to jump between them and they'll do various series and some will do like iRacing and ACC or ACC and R Factor 2. F1 esports seems to be quite insular. It's almost like a little island where once you're on there, you're, you know, you, you, you join Alpine or you join McLaren Shadow uh, and that's, that's it. You kind of stick to, to F1 esports. They don't seem to jump around as much I'm not saying they don't do it at all, but I'm just saying they don't seem to do it as much. It definitely seems to feel more like they're they're definitely kind of growing these drivers into their own programs. Yeah, they they have one goal though, don't they? And that's to win. If you want to do F1 esports, you have one goal and that's to win. And I don't think it the amount of years and you can play F1, can't you, from any age on a controller and then you see all these who might not have the money to actually race F1, but racing at eSport, mm. your main goal is just to win it. And then obviously you've got you've got like the thing saying, oh, you're with McLaren or yeah. you're with Red Bull. It's like, it's. I would say it's kind of like a flex, isn't it? It's like... pretty... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, the, you know, they get to do a lot of training at the factories, which I think is, is pretty nuts. Yeah, um... you, get to, you get to meet the people what you might have not met if you didn't take that route. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's 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 definitely kind of like the glamorous side of of sim racing, if you like, from what I've seen anyway. Now, for now, for now, I think yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So next week on the show, we have the famous James Baldwin joining us uh, to chat everything sim racing, talk about his journey, and to answer a question from Robbie Stapleford. So Robbie. What is your question that you would like to pose to James Baldwin in our show next week? Ooh. Ooh. Could it be about anything? Anything you like. Anything you like. We've set no boundaries, no rules. Well, you know, within reason. Uh, whatever, you, whatever you think would make for an interesting question. Ooh. You could have told me this before it started. I could have like, <laughs> thought about it all day. Now you're like, like quick know. question time. Oh, my God. I know I did this. Uh, I did this um, last, last week with Luke Bennett, completely on the spot. And then at, during, as I was asking him the question, I was like, oh, "You know what? I probably should have asked you this beforehand because then you could have thought about it." I remember yeah, I that for next week. <laughs> um, what's his favorite sim and why? Favorite sim and why? Okay, mm, brilliant, okay. nice. It's a, it's a, it's a classic. Uh, and we will pose that to him uh, next week. Thank you very much. Uh, Robbie, it's been great. Thank you very much for your time. Um, I've really enjoyed this episode. It's been interesting hearing about your karting days as well. Um, no karting, I, I love karting, but very, very amateur level, like higher kart only, but I absolutely, absolutely love it. So it was interesting to hear about that. We are now going to do some racing on ACC. Uh, we're going to race around Zolder in the M2. You put that out on your uh, Twitter. Is it raining? Oh, Mike. No, it's not. Oh, Christ. Okay. Mike. Right. Why is Mike... There we go. It's, it's miraculously sunny again. Thank God for that. So we're going to do some racing. Uh, we do this at the end of every episode. So if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, um, any Sunday night, 8 o'clock, feel free to come along to our YouTube channel. Uh, which is at Sim Sundays, and we put the details of the server in the chat. And you are welcome to come and uh, do some laps, just casual laps. It's just a practice session, no no official race or anything, uh, with us and our guests. In this case, it's Robbie. So uh, thank you, Robbie, and thank you to our sponsor, Track Racer, as always. And make sure to give us a follow on YouTube. And you can listen to the episodes on Spotify, Apple, Google, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think I've remembered everything. Chris usually does this bit, and he's not here. <laughs> and I'm freaking out that I've forgotten something. But I think You should have wrote a script before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the things I should have done before the episode, before every episode, the list is long, uh, including telling you that uh, I'm going to ask you for a question for James Baldwin. Anyway, yeah. um, so we're going to stay live on the YouTube channel for the next 30 minutes, as we always do for the, uh, for the racing bit. But this is where the... 
Google, Apple, Spotify audio episode will end. So thank you for listening to you guys and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Hey, this is Chris from GridFinder. Thanks for listening to the Sim Sundays podcast. Head on over to gridfinder.com to find your spot on the grid and join sim racing leagues for all your favorite games. Just enter your preferred game, car of choice, then let us know if you'd like to race PC, Xbox, or PlayStation, and we'll give you a list of actively recruiting leagues for you to join. And if you're a league owner, post your league on GridFinder so that you run with a full grid for every race. If you're looking to upgrade your sim rig, visit the episode sponsor TrackRacer at trackracer.com. Thanks for being here.